It snows metal on Venus. Spying game, we used to call it. At first, we said it with a certain detached irony, I think, to maybe elevate or even protect ourselves from the obvious childishness of the name. Pretty soon that faded. Soon we were simply saying it, without any hint of embarrassment or embellishment. The spying game. The spying game. Just like that, with capital letters. Don't forget the spying game. I'd sometimes say to her as she kissed me goodbye before leaving for work. I won't forget, I promise, I love you, she'd always say. I love you too. I love you too. Am I allowed to love you yet? Christ, I couldn't even tell you which one of us came up with it. As, as something official, something established, the spying game. It may very well have been her idea in the first place. Wouldn't that be a squeeze? Wouldn't that be fun? A skillful little stratagem to get rid of all that's broken in me. You can see how it might come about. In the beginning, it wasn't even something we did daily. Occasionally one of us would say something like, I heard this today in the shop. Suicide. Doubtful. I think you'd regard that as a waste of reading. Or, guess what I overheard someone saying on the train today? Darling, you're wrong. I'll just blame it on Rome. Quickly, we came to see the shape of our working days as something perfectly suited for such a fond and trivial game. Both commuted to work, train, hers first, the 6.15 into the city. Large bookshop, no soul, corporate colouring. If only the world was filled with me. Then me, exactly an hour later, another city, another bookshop. Small, musty, often empty and financially vulnerable. Both jobs, low pay. Both train journeys, busy, full of speech. Both of our days, ideal for eavesdropping. Like Beckett, he's God-haunted, yet unbelieving. And only then, at home, after peeling and preparing, shared meals, soapy dishes, after a shelling of carefree time... After the telly, arm over shoulders and our vegetable love, faces glowing like moons, and the complex, balletic ablutions. Well-rehearsed, tight space, with many urges upon our too often polite blood. Finally then, we lie there touching, facing one another. Soft light or none, and we'd each unwrap the day's lines like a gift, just like a gift. And the month of May. And love, too. It makes the air tight. She filled the sky for me. She was all I ever really wanted or cared about. And girls. Dungarees. Girls in denim dungarees. She almost always had the better lines, too. I even started writing hers down. I still have the list. A list of the best ones... All hers. A small act of bureaucratic kindness. 
I don't know. She just seemed to have a better ear for it, for how the ordinary went when lifted out of context, like a foreign penny suddenly pulled from a clutch of brassy change could seem totally other. Strange, surreal, hilarious, or the saddest thing ever, even. You must suffer in rhyme. Don't get me wrong, I had my moments. I remember a few of mine. Made her do that very special, almost shocking laugh of hers. The 21st is no place for zebra crossings. This laugh, it would lift her entire body and with her head facing the heavens. Do you know the horse in Picasso's Guernica? She almost screams sometimes. I tell you, it was something to behold. Deliciously shameless, very feminine, very beautiful. One of those girls whose password is love. I loved her so much. Love her still. I wish I'd have told her that more often. Funny then, but when the end came, when she told me she was leaving, it was as if it was all I could say. As if the words alone would form a spell that might protect me from what she was saying. I love you, 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 I love you. I love you. And those sad, not quite sorry eyes. Something wholly new. What was it? A slight sense of embarrassment about her. Embarrassed on my behalf. Something I'd never seen in her before. New pain, new secrets. What is the quotidian fable the West seldom condescends to tell? That of Goliath kicking the shit out of David. So this is what hurts the most. After all the fighting, after all the shouting and the pleading was done with... At the end, I suppose I must have asked her something lame, like... But what about the spying game? To which she simply shrugged with a slight impatience and said, I've been making them up for months now. An act of indemnity and oblivion. Just as letters still arrive, even for dead men, when I'm at work or on the train or walking in the streets alone with the unshakable memory of that soft smile, that special, shameless laugh, I still find myself searching for the right words, the words which might have made her stay. So here's a drab, a tilly too, to the unheralded liberation of failure, as another daughter disappears. Pull my hair, come back, and find me. And did you know it snows metal on Venus? Snow's Metal on Venus Written by John J. Smith Performed by J. Lawrence and Petra Tetrapec Directed by John J. Smith and J. Lawrence
produced by Mike Atkinson and Jay Lawrence. Hey, here at 5 Minutes of Doubt, we've got an open-door policy when it comes to writing. If you want to get involved, send us a script on Facebook or Twitter, but be warned, it can't be more than 7.5 minutes in length, with a maximum of 3 characters. Or, if you're a performer, a thespian sort, you know, and want to get stuck in, drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. If you like this episode, the trick is available to listen to now.